0: Starting Up with VirtuZone on Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: You're listening to the Starting Up podcast. We should really call it Started Up. Uh, but it is the best bits from the latest uh, episode of starting up. Want to listen to us live we 're Thursdays, one through till two, and of course we wouldn 't have been able to do it without the team from Virtue Zone. We had Denise Alexei, the marketing manager of Virtue Zone, in studio to answer your questions, but also to give her experiences about how to blend social media into your business plan what 's more important, a personal brand or a corporate brand, and how do you blend the two? It was, of course, International Women's Day this week. That's why uh, we had a celebration of female entrepreneurs. You don't get much bigger and better than Donna Benton, who joined us live in studio to talk about her experiences setting up the entertainer, the exit from the entertainer, the setup of the Benton Group and some of her current projects and what's in the pipeline in the future. Talking about the future, could Knessa Moulinet be a unicorn of the future? Knessa and her brand. Mulu uh, have seen extraordinary growth in recent years since she set it up five years ago. Her story is equally impressive. A refugee from Ethiopia who's seen struggles in the past helped to frame her success in business at present. We spoke to her about her personal and, of course, her brand story. We also were joined in studio by the lawyer, Jayshree Gupta, who set up her own firm, having worked in some of the biggest legal firms around the world. Uh, she decided to go it alone set up her own firm think here in the region wanted to get jay tree's thoughts on what it was like to get ahead as a female in what is or has been deemed to be a male dominated industry in the past and get some more thoughts on some of the issues that female entrepreneurs are facing these days that's all right here on the starting up no call it started up podcast
0: Starting up with Zone on Dubai I 103.8. Yeah, welcome
1: back to the show and a warm welcome to their marketing manager, Denisa Alexei. Denisa, thanks so much indeed for joining us. Thank
2: you for having me here. Great
1: again. to have you with us. All well at uh, Zone? all good at the uh, VirtueZone HQ at the moment?
2: Oh, more than good. We're great. Busy? Very busy.
1: Busy start to the year?
2: Oh, yeah, it's been busy since uh, way before that.
1: Making dreams come true. That's what <laughs> it's all about. Listen, uh, be your own boss. Uh, that's the hashtag. And if you want to find out more, then get yourself onto the Virtual Zone socials. Um, we will be answering as many of your questions as possible. So please do get them into us now. Text, please, 4001. WhatsApp on 04871 5500. Where do we start? We start with our success spotlight or spotlight on success. So imagine this. Imagine coming. Coming to Dubai with very little money in your back pocket, but a big idea. It only takes one person or one opportunity to turn that big idea into a reality and build it into an empire. That's exactly what led to the success of our featured Success Spotlight guest. And what better guest to have uh, on the occasion of International Women's Day being recognised this year. She's the original founder, the OG uh, of the entertainer. Under her leadership, the entertainer brand con- contributed 1.3 billion US dollars to the economy and experienced 25 to 30% profit growth year on year. Since then, she's become the founder and the CEO of the Benton Group, which consists of many businesses including uh, the swimwear gra- brand Kaha uh, Caja- Kapo, which we'll be talking about a little bit later on. It is a warm welcome to the show as if she needed any welcome Donna Benton, how lovely to see you!
3: Thank you, Tom. It's lovely to be here
1: on the occasion of International Women's Day. I know, um, I love. Great that. to have you with us.
3: Thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm sure very happy been to be inundated here.
1: Inundated with requests throughout the week, haven't you?
3: Oh, my favorite one is your one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, it's great to have you with us as well. And why are we here? We're here to well, we're here to shine a spotlight on your success and the success of the businesses that you've been involved with that you've built up in the past as well. The entertainer is one that obviously follows you around. Um, it was your baby for so, so long. Um, and um, obviously, still holds a, a, a very a keen part in your heart. I mean, in terms, for those listening in, I suppose my first question is when you came here, so you arrived here in?
3: Uh, 2000. 2000 yeah, two, th- at, um, yeah, end of 2000.
1: So the year 2000, we can do the maths on that 22 years, 22 years. <laughs> almost 23 years ago, whatever it was. Um, obviously, your path, and we'll talk about that now, but given the sort of... The dream you had back then, the business you built. When you look back on it now and you look at the Dubai that we live in now, could you do the same again today? Somebody coming in in your same shoes 23 years ago, could they do the same today?
3: Look, I think you can. I think it's what's in you. It's the drive that you have within you. It's the idea. It's the concept. The difference between now, there might be a little bit more competition. But when I came to Dubai 22 years ago, it was a niche in the market saying that there weren't as many restaurants, attractions, beach clubs, etc., and I had to do what I could to get them up and going with all the merchants. Today, we have thousands of restaurants, etc., And there's a lot, as I said, there's a lot more competition, but I believe you can achieve anything that you want as long as you put the hard work and dedication into it.
1: Why the entertainer? Oh, that's a good story.
3: Um, to be honest, I think when I came here, you know, I was driving, there was nothing like it. I actually, to be honest, didn't come from a wealthy family at all and sort of struggled growing up and I used to use vouchers myself and I thought, well, if I could give other people the opportunity to be able to save money but at the same time also give merchants the opportunity to increase their revenue – and at the same time giving customers the same the same chance, then it would be a win-win situation and for the company also to hopefully make money as well. So I just really love the concept. I love that everyone was a winner. I love that everybody could save money, And but I was very strict on the terms and conditions. I knew I didn't want it to be sort of a tacky voucher book at that time. It had to be a two-for-one and it had to be valid for lunch, dinner and weekends.
1: And one thing that I found fascinating, and having been in the UAE, been in Dubai for exactly the same period as you, you know we remember back in the day of collecting the entertainer when it was a printed version, etc that things evolved and it went onto the app and it became a lot more digital again with that sort of pace of development as well, staying on top of the evolution, not just of the food and beverage and the lifestyle industries here, but how you branded the entertainer as itself. Was that again, was that quicker here, do you think, than it would have been in other parts of the world? 100%.
3: Look, with the with the book, I'm all about a touch and feel product. You yeah. can see it, you can rip it. You know, there was women's groups that, um, you know, had their evening nights and swap vouchers. So that was really exciting to me. And or if I saw someone ever use a voucher, that was the most rewarding thing for me. But we were really agile in the way that we went digital quite quickly. But what we did that I think was good <laughs> at the time, that we kept the printed product and we moved digital at the same time, and we were in 15 countries. So the first one that went digital was Asia because they were a bit more digital savvy. Mm. And then we went into the UAE and some of the GCC market and then South Africa, etc. So definitely in this market, I think we did this much quicker than you could have done in any other market.
1: Denisa, it's an amazing story, isn't it? <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated because I had, I was a student here for quite some time and it came in very, You're making very me sound handy. old now, Denise. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Listen, I suppose one of the big questions is, and we saw the extraordinary impact the entertainer had. It became synonymous with 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 the region, and so many. You know, everyone talked about the book originally. Then it became the app, etc. For, for for a baby that you invested so much time, love, blood, sweat, tears into during your time as well. What's your advice to people when it comes to out, the difficult exit as well? How do you go about making that decision?
3: Yeah, look, that's a tough one because when you're a founder and I was doing Entertainer for 17 years, it becomes emotional at the same time. And to be honest, the Entertainer, we got a great price for it and I was at a time in my life when I was getting divorced, I had two kids, so I also had to think about that as well. And it was the right time for me. Mm. Saying that on a business decision... What I have learned, I've done two exits. I sold um, 85% of the company, so therefore the company had majority and I had minority and I would not do that again Mm. because their vision is different than my vision and then you have minority and you don't have any say. So my advice to any shareholder really selling, you either keep majority or you sell everything because Mm. it will never be the same again.
1: And how quick as well, because you hear this from a lot of uh, founders, uh, how quick was it for you to come to that? You you get to the end of an exit and you've got a good price and et cetera, and you think, right, that's it, enough's enough. I'm going to chill out for the next two or three years, work out (laughs) what I want to do, et cetera. Was that the case or were you adamant that you were going to get back into, get your feet back into the pool pretty quickly in terms of your next business venture?
3: Yeah, I'm not really the coffee morning sort of um, (laughs) woman, to be honest. I I do all my best thinking on a deck chair. So I went to Thailand, thought, what can I do? And, you know, I always like to build and grow. And I really love that challenge. So I knew I always wanted to build something else. And along the way with the entertainer, I'd invested in some other companies and property. But I actually wanted to start something from scratch, because if you're a worker, you can invest in companies, but you're not operational in them. So you know, you want to be operational in something to do something. Mm. And that's when Cahar Capoe... became born and yeah, and that's how that started to really grow that and to take that global as well.
1: Kaha Kapo is part of the Benton Group. Tell us about where you're at with the Benton Group now.
3: So yes, after Entertainer, I did a holding company called the Benton Group where we invest in companies and we start our own companies. So we have everything from the Sunset Group, which is hospitality, so sushi samba or Luija, et cetera. Um, we also have salons, we have property, but Kaha Kapo's my main baby, where that's swimwear. So we do men's, women's, kids, where um, we're probably 70% women's in fairness, Italian fabric, but I wanted to give women the option to be able to feel good. Mm. So we go from a size six to a size 18. So there's pretty much something for everybody, but we also have a lot of variety. And that was the key thing. I'd walk in somewhere, where can I get a colour? No colour. So we have everything in about 13 colours. I personally try on everything myself to make sure the fits are great, the fabrics of quality. And, yeah, we're now – we've been going for two and a half years. We have a store in MOE, JBR and online, and we distribute already to about 17 countries.
1: Talk to uh, Denise, just to get your thoughts as well, because I'm sure you've got questions for mm. um, for Donna and the team as well. But just in terms of female entrepreneurs mm. walking through the door, walking to the office at uh, a virtue zone, is it a split 50-50 at the moment or is there still a little bit of nerves?
2: I would love to say this, but right now we're not at a 50-50, um, but I would say we're at a healthy 30%. Mm. Um, hope nobody's going to kill me for those Don't numbers mind but mind, just ob- observationally right I'm not really giving you uh, uh statistics that are set in stone we do have a lot of big female influencers and uh, I would say that I see a, re- a growth in that number as well mm. I mean our office a lot has um a very healthy uh, division between like the numbers of men and women that we have and I think VirtuZone takes pride in that so uh.
1: I suppose because Donna maybe you can shed some light on this I mean again in light of International Women's Day one of the big focuses this year has been inclusivity in the workplace but also uh, making sure that uh, you know we get more and more women onto boards here in the region and worldwide etc you've been able to achieve that are, are, are more women able to do that now here in Dubai here in the UAE in 2023 than they were in 2020
3: yeah Absolutely. I think, you know, I'm all about equality, as everybody knows, but I think the thing with women that that lacks a little bit is confidence. And, you know, women go off and they have babies and then they're off for two years and they lose their confidence to go back into the workforce. And I think what's really important now is for companies that – especially that are male-led, to give women the opportunity to maybe, you know, do six hours a day or four days a week and, three, you know, make it a little bit more flexible because, you know, we're really good workers, we multitask, we're, you know, we're intelligent and, you know, we're really good at what we do. Uh, I'll promote all the women out no, there. I'm not going to
1: argue with them that, that's for sure. Um,
3: so, yeah, I just think with us it's it's just getting that confidence and that opportunity to get back into the workforce, finding their feet and, you know, believing in themselves because you can do it and it takes hard work, it takes dedication, nothing comes easy but if you're willing to put in the work then 100% women can go on boards, they can be CEOs, they can be managers and they can start their own
1: businesses. Is that something that you sort of turn your attention to? I know that you mentor a lot of uh, businesses out there as well. Mentorship, investment into female run businesses, female led businesses, is that something that you're doing now or would like to do more of? Yeah look I just fall into things to be
3: honest. (laughs) it just I don't know how it happens, you know, I'm on my board for Sunset, you know, they're all men except for me, you know, Kaha Kapo, where... Or in fairness, we're probably 80, at least 85% women, 15% men. But look, I'm happy to help anyone. You know, I really, I really am. I'm happy to give advice. I'm happy to help. If I love the idea, I'll invest in it. I really am. But I'm just pretty much that day-to-day normal girl. I work in my shop every Friday afternoon in the same uniform as all the girls. I serve the staff. I'm really hands-on. And I'm really willing to help anyone if they're willing to put the effort into it themselves.
1: Denise, are any virtue zone questions for our special well, guest on events? I Donna was Benton.
2: just about to ask. Um, so, you, you spoke about confidence as well, and when it comes to women in business and women in, let's say, higher up management positions. What would be some of the um, advice that you'd want to give to women who are starting mm. up their entrepreneurial career?
3: Yeah, look, I get asked that a lot. Firstly, you can have two. Types of entrepreneurs, I believe. You can have an entrepreneur that has their own business and you can also be a corporate entrepreneur. Not entrepreneurship is for everybody. Running your own business is hard. It takes a lot of dedication, hard work. People put you down. It's 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 a lot, but it's also very self-rewarding. You can have your own hours, et cetera, et cetera. Um, corporate entrepreneur is stable at the same time. You can grow the ranks. So look, the advice I would give is firstly, you have to love what you do. You must love what you do. You have to get out of bed every morning and you want to do it. Um, Don't ever just think, can I do it or can I not? Go and do it. You know, if you can, 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 it's never going to happen. So you have to give it a go. If it doesn't work, you can always go back and get another job. But you really have to believe in yourself. You have to work your tush off. (laughs) And capital is a big thing as well. Cash flow is huge. And, you know, you have to sacrifice some things. You might have to sacrifice holidays, where you live, the type of car you drive. You know, you've got to take one step back to move two steps forward sometimes. It's not going to be
1: given to you. Are you able to sacrifice another ten minutes of your time?
3: Oh, for Tom, of course. For oh, you, Tom, of course, you, I can. You Say the sweetest
1: things. I tell you. <laughs> uh, the reason being, um, we've got a fascinating guest coming up in just a few moments' time. The founder of Malu, who's going to be sitting in in our UAE's next to unicorn question mark segment as well. And I just love you'd sit in on this one, if that's all right. We're going to create a bit of a, 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 a sort of Donna Benton Shark Tank thing going on. Oh, you know, I love is that it. right? Should we do that? Okay. I love
0: other entrepreneurs and startups.
3: Let's get it on. Okay, exactly. cool.
0: This is Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone.
1: Business set up with no regrets
0: on Dubai I 103.8.
1: Welcome back to Starting Up with Virtue Zone live here on Dubai I 103.8. My name's Tom Urquhart. I'm joined in studio by my co host today, the marketing manager of Virtue Zone, Denisa Alexei. Denisa Orwell.
2: Oh, well, very excited to hear all the stories of these incredible women coming here today.
1: Extraordinary stories indeed. Donna Benton still with us as well. DB, thanks so much indeed for staying with us. Anytime, Tom. Very kind. And uh, the reason I've asked you to stick around, I think you're going to like this next one, because it's our opportunity now to look at uh, the UAE's next unicorn, question mark, dot, 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 dot. Today, our guest fled Ethiopia as a little girl, lived in the Netherlands as as a refugee. Fast forward to today startup investor and a very successful entrepreneur. Entrepreneur, Her plus size active brand Mulu is now in 10 countries. She's the founder, the CEO and the founder of Mulu. It is Knessa Mulune, who joins us live here in studio. Knessa, thanks for being with us.
4: Thank you for having
1: me. Very kind. Um, listen, uh, we've got so much to get through. So uh, let's start at the beginning if we can. I just touched on it there. Um, you know, grew up in Ethiopia, fled Ethiopia as well, spent most of your life as a young refugee. Do you think that's helped you as an it well, A as an individual, but create the brand Mulu as well?
4: Um I think so. I think so. I think it turned me into the person who I am today. Because I always think about, you know, what if I wasn't that lucky or this lucky? What if? Because I would never be here today if my parents weren't, you know,
1: mm.
4: that courageous to leave that life, their old life behind and mm. just, you know, flee the country.
1: So you fled Ethiopia to the Netherlands, is that right? Yes. Um, now you're here in Dubai uh, <laughs> with a successful brand uh, of the last five years. Why set up Mulu? What was the reason behind it?
4: Actually, um, it's a funny story because it was never a plan or a business plan. It, it, it started out of nowhere because I was plus size myself. Um, uh, by, uh, by the way, I lost... Almost seventy kilos now, but whoa,
1: whoa, whoa! Should we say that again?
4: Seven, no, okay, sixty-seven oh. to be exact.
1: Almost seventy—that's fine by me. You know, that's yeah, all. It that's extraordinary more
4: because it's half my weight. I'm seventy now. Wow.
3: <laughs> wow, that's amazing.
5: Yeah,
4: no, but um, so I was seventy kilos heavier, and I was a power lifter. and my goal was always to gain weight so I could, ha- you know. I wanted to go heavier on the weights. And um, it's always this rule, the heavier you are, the heavier you can lift. Mm. Um, But then I got pregnant and I was gaining so much weight. And at some point I told my husband, you know, that's it. I don't have any clothes anymore um, to go back to the gym. And, you know, I was on maternity leave. I was bored. I mean, I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't lift weights. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to start design you know no it's not design i just thought i said i'm gonna make clothes i had no idea what i was doing i don't you know somebody told me you have to start designing i said okay i'm gonna start designing so uh, you had on, no previous experience no of nothing, nothing 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 so i made my own i think f- my first few leggings five yeah i started with five leggings started wearing them after the delivery in the gym and all of a sudden i got these Reactions from people saying, where did you get these from? I said, nowhere. <laughs> They're my designs. And I think um, after two years is when I started to realize, okay,
2: I, I, I have something here. Mm. So and initially, you weren't planning on making a business. It was something that you wanted to do for yourself out of necessity. Then you yes, saw the reaction of people yes. and saw the potential in yes. that brand. That's wow. how it started. And uh,
4: never planned to turn it into a business, actually. Um, and slowly, I started doing research. I saw other plus-size women in the gym. Um, there weren't many, by the way, because a lot of women don't go to the gym simply because they don't have anything or something mm. nice to wear. Mm. Um, so... I started doing research, and I think the last two years it really kicked off.
1: And uh. In 10 countries now, is that right? Yes. I'm Brands in 10 in, countries. Yes. Okay, and we've got Donna in studio with us as well. I mean, what was – and we've just been talking to Donna about the challenges she faced setting up here uh, over, you know, when she arrived in 2000. What would you say was the biggest challenge of setting up a business here for you?
4: Um, I think understanding the culture, because you're, you're – um, I've been dealing with the European market and the US market, um, and now I'm here. There's, of course, Dubai's melting pot, but I'm still, you know, the, the Arabic culture. I mean, it was a whole new world. I really had to understand w- who they are and what they do and why they do certain things. So, yeah, it was that part. I think that the cultural part was definitely the hardest to understand because, I mean, I I, I think my first research started in Saudi. I saw Mm -hmm. everyone wearing abayas and I was like, okay, that's it. My leggings are not going to, you know, (laughs) uh, they're not going to do well here. But it turns out it is actually, there is a market. Because I don't see them wear it outside does not mean they would, Mm. you know, not be interested in my product. So um, it took a long time for me to understand that. So it's a, it's a, and, you know, coming from the from from Europe, coming from the West, the way um, I think my mindset, I, I started with um, with the wrong mindset here. I think I was I wasn't as open as I, I, I thought I was and it completely changed there. And now I'm just seeing opportunities everywhere I go.
1: I'm looking for parallels, Donna. And, and and the thing is that, you know, as you said, you know, driving around, didn't have anywhere to, no one was telling me where I could go and get two-for-ones or, or where I could go and eat. You know, going to the gym, didn't have uh, the, the, the right the, the, the clothes to wear in the gym, etc. It's finding that niche in the market, but then believing in it, isn't it?
3: It is. And I was just about to say to Kenesha, the, the biggest thing, this is a perfect example of passion. You know, if you love what you do and and it's you just love it it will work and obviously you you like the gym you wanted to do it you yeah. felt pregnant you're a weightlifter and that was due to your size being pregnant and a weightlifter and i'm sure there's a lot of women out there that want to know how you lost the 67 kilos as yeah. well <laughs> Um, But I I think it's brilliant. I think if, again, you love what you do, it will work. And when you start up a business, there are so many different avenues you can take. And some people just have their blinkers on and think, no, only European, like you were saying. But there are different cultures. Everybody's got a body. Everybody generally at some point wants to lose weight. Everybody wants to have health. Even if it's just walking around, they have to wear something. So that's the niche market for you to tap into now. And, yes, there are active wear um Companies out there, but it's actually how you now go and market your product. And you've done a great job, and you're a perfect example. I'm looking at you now, and you look amazing. So, your story is inspirational to so many. And and that's what you can tap on to because if the product's good, you're good. It's a win win.
2: Yeah, thank you. Did entering this new market ever give you um, ideas about kind of adapting your product to the market? I'll give an example modest fashion. Is this something that you would want to move into? Uh, absolutely, I never thought about mm-hmm. doing modest fashion until
4: I arrived in Dubai. Yeah, um, and I think it's the perfect combination as well because a lot of plus-size women, um, especially, I, I wouldn't say the U.S. market is different, but the Euro- Europe market, they it's it's like a combination. They like to cover up; they're more uh, into the modest mm-hmm. side, I would say. But I, n- it never. I don't know. They never um, trans. It never translated in my mind to modesty. Mm. In Europe, it was just like, oh no, just you know something to cover up, just uh, you know a longer shirt. But then you come here, you look at the fashion here, and the, and you're like, oh wait a minute, but that's exactly what the Europeans are have been telling me. You know, the feedback has always been, we need modesty. But it, in Europe, it never translated mm. for me to it being modest, if it makes sense what I'm saying. So, um, yeah, it definitely... My next collection is actually the first one that's going to have um, modest items.
1: As I said, we could talk about this for hours. (laughs) Unfortunately, we've only got the hour to talk about it. Um, Once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur, what's in the pipeline? What's
4: next?
1: 100%. Yes. What can we expect from Mulu next?
4: Well, I want to expand the brand worldwide. I'm actually here in Dubai and I'm already looking into, you know, the other side of the world, meaning Asia Mm. I never explored that market until I went to Pakistan uh, last, no, two months ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's a market! It's re- very easy to do research for you know my target audience is just sit." In a, mm. in a mall or an open place are you just in the malls, so many Where can
3: you buy your products? Are you in the malls or are you online? Um, How do we people are, buy we are them?
4: Now, um, Give yourself a plug. <laughs> <laughs> you're on radio. It's Come available on. Online. <laughs> it's available online, but we're also um, going to expand. Um, we're working with distributors. So very soon the, it will also be available in stores.
1: Okay, great. And where can people find you online?
4: Um, Mulu.com love. Oh, I love that. Nice. From a, a marketing
1: perspective about. that is great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course Donna Benton we can't thank you enough as well. Lots in the pipeline for the Benton group in 23.
3: lot's expansion for Kahakapo, franchising, more stores, more products, more restaurants, more lots of lots
1: going on. And where can people get their hands on Kahakapo? Well,
3: they can go to our website online so kahakapo.com. C A H A C A P O. Um, Or they can go to our store in Mall of the Emirates ground floor or JBR next to Victoria's Secret.
1: DB, couldn't thank you enough for sticking around. Thanks so much indeed for telling us your story. Anytime. Uh, all the best for 23. Um, thank
3: you. We'll see you at Paddle later.
1: I was going to say I'll see you in court. Now I'll see you on court. I'll see right? you on
3: court <laughs> not
0: later.
1: In court, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donna, thank you very much indeed. And Knista, thank you so much indeed to you. All the best with the new venture. Thank you so much. Uh, and a uh, uh, big thank you for coming in and telling your story as well.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Uh, thanks so much indeed.
0: You're Listening to Starting Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone.
1: Business setup with no regrets.
0: On Dubai Eye 103.8.
1: Welcome back to starting up with zone on Dubai Eye three point eight. My name's Tom Urquhart. I'm uh, joined live in studio by my co-host this afternoon, the marketing manager uh, of VirtuZone, and Denisa Alexei, who is uh, with us here. Denisa, again, thanks very much indeed for joining us. Time now for our company clinic, if you like, so you'll become Dr. <laughs> Denisa for the next yeah. couple of minutes, okay, if that's all right, where we look for a couple of tips and tricks, some answers to some of the questions that are coming in from our listeners out there. Feel free to keep them coming in. You can text me on 4001, WhatsApp on uh, 04-871-5500. Okay, I'm going to pick on you, Denise, Mm -hmm. first and foremost, as a perfect example. Somebody who uh, built their brand, uh, built your TikTok following to over half a million uh, followers, uh, now with the biggest business setup company in the UAE. When it comes to business setup or working with a company, is personal branding important?
2: Absolutely. I think personal branding is important in general. Um, But let's say, let's take it from an entrepreneur angle. It's Basic anybody that's done sales would know that you first sell yourself before you sell the product, right? People have to relate to you and like you, and then they'll pretty much listen to whatever else you have to say. And it's the same thing on the digital space. You create that personal brand. It's kind of like a little bit of a, uh, your CV or your portfolio. Um, and once, if you are able to create a strong brand, no matter what business you move into, you'll that's the one constant that doesn't change it's you so you'll be able to carry on that brand with you and then add success to other projects in the future so i think to me it is tremendously uh, one of the most important things
1: being the brand uh, vitally important for people working within the social media realms etc but when you go and work for a business Mm -hmm. um where do you find the balance between personal brand and business brand as well can the two cohabit
2: as an employee yeah Uh, Well, I would say that uh, me having a personal brand is what gave me this really awesome job with Zone. They needed somebody who understands what it's like to not only have a little bit of entrepreneurial mindset, but also if I could do this for my personal brand, imagine what I could do for somebody else's brand. That's kind of how I always sell it. Mm. Um, And for me being a marketeer, it's my portfolio, literally, because I understand my audience and I understand how to transmit a certain message and how to keep them coming back that that kind of skill and structure could be applied in corporate marketing for that matter.
1: Let's take Elon Musk as an example. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's not shy of a bit of social media yeah. is very active on his various channels um, at the best of time. And yet a very successful businessman, the CEO, the founder of a number of extraordinary brands around yes. the world. Again, is there is there that fine line between branding a company such as well, Twitter or Tesla, Mm -hmm. and then your own personal brand of Elon Musk. Do do you have to be difficult when you get into senior management and senior C-suite executive roles to sort of separate the two?
2: Right. So you're looking at kind of like where it starts, right? Because if, let's say, for example, for Elon, if he moves away from one of those businesses, because his personal brand is so strong, um, he kind of risks having those businesses still associated with his name, if he decides to leave okay right like i sell twitter i'm elon and i swell t- i sell twitter maybe 10 years from now twitter will still be associated with me because my personal brand is so strong mm. um so when it comes to let's say management positions and i see that a lot with um ceos of big big companies they do start building that personal brand and then they leave and it's just like that kind of still carries on and it's still being associated with him to me it's a win-win
1: so If your business becomes a success, Mm -hmm. if you've used your brand to build a business, et cetera, then the business almost becomes as successful or maybe even more successful than the personal brand. Is it still important to maintain the personal brand?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, even if it's Uh, an already established business and it's a recognized business, you work with people, I assume. You know, majority of the time, you still want to become um, relevant to the audience. And in marketing in today's generation, we're talking about millennials, Gen Z, and everybody else coming after that. We're so used to, we're so media literate. Mm -hmm. We can really understand um, the way ads and when someone is selling something to us. But if you can build a relationship with the followers and, again, become... um, something that they can relate to that adds on to your success.
1: People out there might be going, yeah, I love what Denise is saying, but look, it's just not for me. I'm too shy. Nobody's going to be interested in what I have to say on social media, what I have to sell on social media. What are your top social media tips for people who have those sensibilities?
2: Well. Public speaking is a skill that I believe could be learned and taught to anybody. Um, starting up, I was doing a lot of networking and I would look into my industry and see what events are happening, uh, who who can I talk to in that, um, in that kind of industry, and then I would probably pick somebody that I look up to. Um, and I have this idea where I don't believe in today's world, after so much has been done, that we have so many original thoughts or original ideas. So it's never a bad thing to just use somebody as an inspiration and kind of in a way copy or use what they're doing to to improve it. So personal um, public speaking exercises, networking events, could add to building a little bit of that confidence and then you can still b- build a personal brand online without having to put your face on camera there are so many other ways of creating content you could be a writer you could be a blogger it doesn't have to be the typical I'm talking uh, to the camera and I'm posting it on social media uh, there are so many other ways to to building a personal brand for different personalities
1: if you need to find out more then you can always uh, tune in to Dubai Eye a three point eight every Thursday from 1 o'clock starting up with Virtue Zone but equally if people want to find out where, how to marry um, their brand, their social media presence with their business and their new setups as well, obviously, this is something that uh, all the team at Zone can help with. For those listening out there at the moment, Denisa, who would like to find out more, I mean, how do people start a relationship with VirtuZone?
2: Um, Well, I would like to say that we have great marketing, so you're probably going to find us on the first Google search or setting up a business in Dubai, and then you um, request a call back and you get in touch with us. And
1: then come down and say hi. And we
2: do a lot of partnerships as well. I'm very proud to say that a lot of our clients have very strong uh, personal brandings already, so I work with them very closely and we do um, collaborations and, uh, you know, introduce them to other clients and we do a little bit of internal networking. Um, so yeah you, you know if you're uh, if you're looking to get started with us we're literally one click away
1: one click away
2: You're listening to Starting
0: Up with Tom Urquhart and Virtue Zone
1: Business setup with no regrets on
0: Dubai Eye 103.8
1: back. It's starting up uh, with me, Tom Urquhart, co-host for the week, is, of course, Denise Alexei, the marketing manager uh, of our, our friends at Virtue Zone. Denise, thanks for much indeed for being with us. Thank you for having me. Good to have you with us this afternoon. We're still celebrating women and yesterday at the Forbes 3050 Summit in Abu Dhabi. Former U.S. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton shared some shocking statistics about gender disparity.
5: The Secretary General of the United Nations said that uh, based on current data post COVID, it would take 250 years for women to achieve pay equality. And they also pointed out that if you look at the range of social, political, economic, cultural advancement uh, goals that we've had, it would take 300 years. So it's kind of distressing to be honest
1: yeah some distressing numbers there right now we're talking about a very important issue the lack of funding among female-led startups and the discrimination that female entrepreneurs face recently WAMDA published a report which found that startups founded by women raised a total of 34.6 million dollars in 2021 just 1.2 percent of the MENA region's venture capital funding the Forbes event yesterday, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton shared some stats out of the U.S. If
5: you look at founders and venture capital, 1.9 uh, percent of all venture capital in last year went to women, which is even less than it was in 2021. Uh, so I think the bottom line is we have a lot of work to do. Here to share her thoughts
1: and insights is the lawyer Jay Shri Gupta, who's the founder and the managing director of Think Jayshri. Thanks so much for joining us live on the show this morning.
6: Thank you, Tom, and lovely to see you, Denisa. Thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to come here. Mm. Yeah, it's
1: great to have you with with us because you've worked in the corporate world, the corporate part of an international law, law firm. You give legal advice, expert legal advice to all industries. Um, Those numbers that you've just been hearing there, obviously, with your experience in the corporate world, do they shock you or do they surprise you?
6: Um, I can't say um, it's not a recurring theme. I mean, of course, we end up discussing this every time we have Women's Day and the Mm. week is all about women. Right. But what about the whole year and the last five years and the last 10 years? So what Hillary Clinton has been saying is absolutely true. The statistics are even worse last year and this year, I don't know whether it was a post-COVID thing or not. But I also think that you need to look at it in perspective, because ultimately, there are fewer women entrepreneurs and fewer women looking for funding in their startups. So sometimes I'm not sure how the percentages are sort of cut or the pie is cut. But the truth remains that many women who are looking for that startup funding are perhaps people my age or a few years younger, and they tend to have a very good work ethic. But I think women as a gender undersell themselves big time. Mm. Um, we also don't come from a background where we build networks very well. I mean, obviously, I've been with, you know, three of the world's largest law firms. And here I am doing my own thing. Um, and I'm lucky to have a very great network. And I'm lucky to be working with many very talented men. So I think you need a lot of support from everybody, not just women in your field. But the men in your field must validate what you're doing, unfortunately or fortunately, because that's the kind of business that the women who are looking for their funding are in. It's a male world and the sooner we accept that, the less we beat ourselves up about it and the faster we react to it, the better the numbers are going to look.
1: Mm. Denisa, your thoughts?
6: Oh, I
2: agree. Um, I had started uh, tried to try to start my own business uh, just in uh, during COVID and I could say that there were some things that I had faced um, and I wish I had some more support mm. from uh, my male counterparts. But I think, I think we're going towards a change. It's something that we've been hearing for years that's changing. Um, but I'd like to stay optimistic and mm-hmm. say that by at least by spreading awareness, then you, the next generation is has more chances. Um, yeah, and
6: I think, you know, for some reason, we seem to attract more publicity than the men. So, mm-hmm. for example, if a women entrepreneurs business tanks for whatever reason, she's written about, talked about, can never get a job again. Uh, we've seen a few of those billionaire sort of models that have gone completely haywire. But for some reason, when a man heading a startup takes money to do, you know, cryptocurrency trading from the entire world and goes underground, he seems to come back up and find another business to head up. Mm. So I don't know whether it's our mentality, the world's mentality or a combination of the two. But I think we need to stop uh, worrying about what everyone else thinks, right? We sort of have to carry on with our mission and our um, sort of our own definition of success. Mm-hmm.
1: Let's get some more thoughts here. Francois Ortalo-Magnez, the Dean of the London Business School. He referred to the award-winning research of his colleague, Dr. Danakanzi. Dr. Kenzie and her co-authors examined the types of questions potential investors ask male versus female founders. They found that male founders were asked more promotion-focused questions in the domain of gains. For instance, how do you plan to acquire new customers? Whereas female founders were asked more prevention-focused questions in the domain of losses, like how do you plan to retain your existing customers? And those different types of questions predicted quantifiably difference in how much capital male and female founders raised. Jay Shree, do you agree with that?
6: Um, Yes and no. I think it comes down to the personality of the women that they're dealing with. So I am lucky enough to represent a number of female um, led startups, not only startups, actually funds that invest in other startups, with women at the helm of the fund making the decisions, and they're not making these decisions emotionally so i think sort of that tag is is just, just sort of just wrong but i think what happens is the people interviewing the women we're talking about on that clip are often men who have their own self sort of perceived you know notions about what a woman or what a woman can and cannot do and how she may be running her business mm. so i think that's number one and then i guess the other thing is women are just seen it to be more risky right because we tend to wear a hundred hats whereas a man can prioritize perhaps differently because he doesn't have the challenges... So, I mean, I, I was just saying, you know, I'm redoing my kitchen, I'm doing my work, I have teenage children, I'm thinking about my golf game at the weekend and what I need to do to win, and I'm running my business. Mm. And I'm advising on legal issues which are very pertinent to somebody's livelihood or someone's sort of, uh, you know, it, it would cost somebody a lot of money if I made a mistake, right? So, I think the challenges that women face, especially in this region with the stereotypes of uh, sort of male, female sort of uh, Roles is inherent in the kind of questions the interviewer is asking a female leading a fund.
1: We are sadly out of time on this occasion which is just well it's criminal really because we could continue this conversation for a lot <laughs> lot longer listen i'm not going to leave this conversation without an opportunity you mentioned there about uh, running your own business founder and managing director of think jayshree if people want to get hold of you and the team at think what's the best way for them to go about that
6: um our linkedin so either the in-house company I Think linkedin or my own linkedin jayshree gupta on linkedin probably the easiest way
1: Really kind of you to come in. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and opinions and joining us on Starting Up. Uh, and of course, to you, Denise, as well. And if people want to find out more about all things Virtue Zone, get yourself online.
2: Mm-hmm. At Virtue Zone on Instagram or Google us.
1: Thank you so much again Thank for you. being our co host today. A big thanks to all of our guests today. Starting Up, back next Thursday from one. Till then, bye bye.